0: DFS Coach Talk. Uh, it is Friday, May 29th. I'm Santino Cacone and I'm joined by the one and only Sugar Shane Caldwell. How's it going, Coach? It's going
1: good, man. Yeah, excited, excited to get into the uh, Miami Dolphins here as we continue through the AFC East and we finish up our 32 NFL team DFS preview. So, uh, it's a team that uh, is, is your favorite team and you, you know a lot about. So a lot of good changes with this. So uh, what, do you, what do you, how are you feeling about the, the Dolphins this year here?
0: Yeah, so, so I'm excited. Um, as before I say, as Andrew would say, uh, it's day 30 as we near the end of our 32-team virtual tour of the NFL. Um, but yeah, today we have the Miami Dolphins. And if you guys aren't familiar with them, they ended the Patriots dynasty. There's no longer Tom Brady. Tom Brady... And the Patriots lost in week 17. They lost that bye. uh, then they got beat by the Titans who were led by none other than Ryan Tannehill, a former dolphin quarterback and who we thought we wanted to be the savior of the franchise. He came through in another direction, but, uh, he kind of still saved the franchise. We got Tom Brady out of the division finally. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm super excited to talk to the dolphins today. Uh, nothing short of 10 wins this year, looking like super bowl caliber team right now. Um, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm just kidding. But I I do think an improvement of their five and eleven record last year. They did win five of their last nine games. So the second half of the season, they were over five hundred. It kind of got scary for a moment. We didn't think that uh, with all these wins, that two of them might get drafted there. But we still got our guy. We tanked. We got all these draft picks. A huge turnover. Uh, We'll we'll get into that in a moment. or depending on everybody we added, everybody we lost, and the plethora of draft picks. It's looking like a whole new team out there, not this college-level team that we had last year, but I'm excited to talk about them.
1: Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, you guys did really win the Super Bowl when you beat the Patriots <laughs> last year. So, I mean, that was all you needed, right? And you, even though you went on a winning streak at the end of the year, you still got Tua, which everyone thought, you know, before this injury and everything, it was getting, he was going to be number one consensus mm-hmm. pick before Joe Burrow came out of nowhere. Uh, so, really, it was a Super Bowl year for, for a Dolphins fan, you know, <laughs> for all those things to happen. Uh, so, just quick, we'll go over the statistics. You know, they were pretty bad last year. Um, you know definitely traded away all the talent they're completely rebuild they're kind of in that three-year rebuilding phase and this would probably be year two of that uh, rebuilding in, in my opinion so we're mm-hmm. we're getting close to the the uh, halfway point for this rebuild but last year was the ugly part of the rebuild okay so on offense they were ranked 27th in yards you know uh 4960 yards i mean there was some teams that had more passing yards than that basically you know almost you know or just uh, just the one statistics. They were uh, 12th in passing at 3,804 yards, so they were decent in passing. They were definitely uh, playing from behind a lot, slinging the ball around. They were last in the league, 32nd in rush yards. They were not good in the run game at all, uh, um, 1,156 yards, only 72 yards per game, which was pretty bad, uh, and in points, they were 25th, a little over 300 points, 19 points a game. On defense, they were ranked 30th, so this was a team everyone was targeting last year. They gave up six thousand three hundred sixty-four yards. So a lot of yards given up. Teams were running all over them. Um, obviously, they, uh, you know, they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick because things weren't going to work out with him. And you know, it seems like, uh, you know, especially after that, it was like they were really vulnerable, especially in the secondary. They were 26 in the pass on defense, four thousand one hundred ninety-eight yards. Twenty-seventh against the run, uh, two thousand one hundred sixty-six yards. And then they were last in the league for defensive points, uh, for points given up on defense, 32nd at 494 points. And this was a number that, like, blew me out of the water. I was like, holy crap. They gave us 30.9 points per game. So, almost 31 points per game. I'm like, wow. Like, I knew they were were pretty bad. I didn't realize they gave up almost 31 points a game. That's a lot. Um, So... Uh, so obviously it wasn't good. They also lost the turnover, turnover differential. Uh, the, the offense turned the ball over 26 times and they only had 10, 16 takeaways. So negative 10 turnover differential. So that is a recipe for disaster right there as well. So that's kind of the, the bad stuff. Now the good stuff is the nice thing about the NFL. It's a year to year league. And like I said, this is a team that's completely rebuilding and retooling and that things are looking up. So it's really exciting for dolphins fans. Now I think with the addition, so uh, so Santino, you want to talk about some of these additions and subtractions, and I can hit on a couple as well, because they were some major. They addressed some major depth issues and some major weaknesses with this team, and I think they did a really good job.
0: Yeah, and uh, when you were talking about their touchdowns and, and their scoring, uh, they had four touchdowns total in the first through through the first five weeks last season. And that fourth one happened with no, barely any time remaining on the clock. So it was brutal to start the season. Uh, but then things started turning around. And uh, we'll get into one of the players that turned around right after that fifth game. Uh, but, yeah, they added a ton of people. The entire offensive line is its going to be pretty much an entirely new offensive line. They added uh, Karras from New England. He's going to play center. They drafted Austin Jackson. He should start at left tackle. They drafted Robert Hunt. He has an outside shot at... Starting at another guard spot, they signed Eric Flowers. He should su- he should start at right tackle. I uh, like this whole offensive line is going to be different. One of the weak points that they had last year, they got two new running backs in Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, who we'll talk about. Uh, they got a huge, big signings on defense. I know we before we went on, we both liked the uh, Byron Jones the signing, and I, I really like that as it, we need desperately needed a number two cornerback, and uh, with a healthy Xavier and Howard and byron jones that's one of the better tandems in the league and then i like their their rookie first rounder at who's going to play who should play in the slot corner uh then they they also added shaq lawson kyle van Noy, eric uh, or uh, agba it's hard to say his name uh, roberts from new england they add they added so many people that uh they did lose a lot of people but this team is going to look completely new and revamped heading into year two of brian flores who did a damn good job in his first year uh, to win five games with what he had. And it, I just kudos to him. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm yeah, excited. they didn't
1: really they didn't really lose anyone that was major besides, you know, yeah. Fitzpatrick. But they last year, but they that was really last year, though. And they, and they got a traffic back for him. So they really upgraded this team towards. Uh, and I think that the fact that they went on a winning streak in the second half of the year and got better and better is really uh, that really shows how good this coaching staff is. I think it's exactly. a great coaching staff. I really like uh, uh, Brian Flores, the fact that he was able to get them to uh, keep them together despite all the losing and the really bad start. So that's a really good sign. So that tells me that things are looking up as they kind of continue to rebuild this roster. So they really address the issue of uh, not having a, uh, a good offensive line to protect the quarterback to give Fitzpatrick, or in this case, Tua, enough time, and also to be able to, uh, you know, move players in the running game and open up some holes, and then they really addressed the pass rush. The pass rush was worse than the league. They had the least amount of sacks, and if you can't get a pass rush in this league, these quarterbacks will absolutely shred you, and that's exactly what they did, <laughs> you know, to, to the tune of, you know. What was it? 4,200 yards or something like that. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's why they gave up over 6,300 yards. I mean, they just no pass rush, you know, they couldn't really do anything and they didn't have much coverage in the back aside from Xavier Howard, but one man can't cover everyone. So now ha- adding the better pass rush and with Byron Jones in there, uh, with Xavier and Howard, that's going to make a huge difference. So this is a team that you just can't go in and target automatically, especially in the past game. I think they might still be a little bit weak uh, against the run, but we'll see. I think that they definitely are a much improved team here. Um, so big things to happen. And then the other big addition that I noticed was the offensive coordinator. Uh, they hired Chan Gailey. Uh, he's a guy that has a ton of experience in college and pro systems. Uh, and with him, they want to implement – uh, more of a, a power running scheme. Uh, I've heard it described as a, a gap power run with the RPO offense. So if you think about this offense, what they're going to do going forward is they're building the personnel specifically for this new chan system. And if you want to know what the system's like, if you think about like the Alabama offense or even like the Baltimore Ravens offense with a little bit less running of the quarterback, obviously, mm-hmm. it, that's how it's going to be similar to that. Uh, and that's going to really uh, protect the quarterback more and actually run the ball. So this offense is going to be completely different, in my opinion, compared to last year, which is going to completely change the fantasy production from the teams. I don't think there's going to be as much passing volume, so I don't think it will be as good for the uh, the quarterbacks. But I think the running backs might actually have production where last year they had no almost no production. Um, so do you do you agree with that or do you see the kind of the changes coming with this with the scheme here? too? Are you hearing the same thing as me?
0: Yeah, and uh, traditionally, Chan Gailey, well, he hasn't been in the league for a couple years um, as an offensive coordinator or coach. But traditionally, when he is the offensive coordinator and or coach, his teams are more run-oriented. He has better uh He's more in the his his teams finish higher in rushing statistics than they do passing statistics. And I can see that happening anyway, just because of all the changes that they made on the team. Uh, I don't think they're going to give up nearly 31 points a game again. Well, I hope not. And, and if that comes less poss- passing value as is. And that's with even yeah. without changing in the offensive philosophy, which I do think is coming anyway. But um, as, as the more this team is competitive, the less that teams are going to try and, and uh, throw the ball on them, the less that they're going to need to throw the ball to play catch up. I mean, the first two games last year, they gave up over a hundred and something points and they didn't have, <laughs> and they scored, what, a uh, 16. So it was pretty brutal. And, and I don't see that happening again this year. Well, I should see, I, I hope not. And especially with all these additions and whatnot, it looks like something that uh, I can be proud of and happy to see going into the season.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into the uh, quarterback position here. Uh, now we have slightly uh, uh, varying opinions and that's okay. It's kind of fun to debate back and forth. We have slightly varied opinions on who's going to play quarterback and when certain players are going to get in there. So, <laughs> uh, so my opinion is uh, based on the way I look at this is that obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback uh, and most people don't disagree with that, but I believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick will play, almost the entire year, if not the whole year. And I believe that this is going to be a redshirt year for Tua. Uh, so we'll, we'll debate that a little bit and go back and forth, uh, the different points there. Cause I definitely like Tua as well. I think he's really talented. Um, so Fitzpatrick last year, I'm just going to go over his stats real quick. Uh, a lot of, he had quite a few passing, uh, quite a bit of passing volume. Um, he played in 15 games over 500 attempts and he passed for 3,529 yards. He had 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Um, he did have a lot of production on the on the ground, even though he's not really fast. He's kind of shifty, you know, kind of a yeah. savvy quarterback. He's got a little athleticism, 243 rushing yards uh, for four rushing touchdowns. So that rushing Ooh. touchdowns, it was like he was almost like the red zone running back, you know, <laughs> which you wouldn't think of him as, but four rushing touchdowns was good for this offense. And 20 passing touchdowns, that got him to fantasy production. So he had seven games over 20 he had fantasy games uh draft games of so 35 31 27 25 23 you know 21 21 so he had quite a few good games and he really never was that expensive because the fact that he you know he throws you know quite a few interceptions he wasn't in a great offense right so his price didn't really go up that much so so he's actually a good value play that you could play in tournaments or cash when you catch him on the right lineup, where they're are gonna get completely shut out, and they just were gonna get you know he's the ultimate garbage time guy. I think you know <laughs> throwing some and uh, and then once he uh, actually had Devonte Parker starting to heat up at the end of the year, man, that was uh, that was perfect for uh, for this offense. So what do you think about uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, his outlook and how he did last year too?
0: Yeah, I mean he throw he averaged an interception for every game he started. So he does throw quite a few interceptions, but he throws a lot of touchdowns too. And last year they played, as we mentioned, they played from behind a lot. Uh, they were giving up a ton of points, but that only helps you. And this guy, given the opportunity, he is fantasy friendly in the right circumstances, almost 30, 3,500 plus yards in 13 games, 500 plus attempts, 20 touchdowns and four on the ground. Uh, he's, he's more mobile than you would think for a guy uh throughout his career he's been able to get first downs with his legs a lot when when there's nothing there but yeah he's a veteran stopgap option stopgap option uh option i can't say that word (laughs) stopgap option and i do like him if he starts for however many games he starts depending on the opponent he's not a bad play and he's going to be super cheap because he's on the dolphins and what they did last year but yeah you mentioned seven games over 20 fantasy points last year and he was probably one of the Last five, six, seven priced quarterbacks, that's very good value for a guy you're not spending up for and then you can spend up for on other uh, positions. But what I did notice is that the the first couple games are against the Patriots and Bills uh, at New England and at the Bills. So I don't know if I want to fully target him against two of the best pass defenses in the league, especially since maybe the Patriots, will, we don't know how they're going to be without Tom Brady. It's been almost two decades, so we'll see about that. But in week three against the Jags and week four against the Seahawks, if he's, I think he's still going to be starting by then, and he's definitely a target there.
1: Yeah. No, I think – uh, mm-hmm. I, I normally really do like Fitzpatrick. I think you can target them in specific games, but, like, this year I'm not as high on him just because I feel like the whole philosophy in this offense mm-hmm. – is going to that power running game. He's not going to have as much volume. He's a guy that needs that volume and that kind of garbage time slinging the ball all (laughs) around. And they're not, like you said, uh, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be playing down from 20 points all the time like they were last year where he just completely had to air it out. Uh, They're going to be actually controlling the ball and protecting Fitzpatrick more. Um, So, And I don't think he's going to have that fluky rushing yards and rushing touchdowns either. (laughs) You know, probably not as much. I mean, the guy is still athletic. He's sneaky athletic. Uh, So I'm a little concerned about him, although normally I'd like to target him as a cheap quarterback. I'm a little concerned about the the offensive philosophy and the volume um, that he needs because he's not like Russell Wilson where he's super efficient with low volume. You know what I mean? I mean, he needs a little bit more volume, and he only has so many big, big weapons uh, in the receiving game you know uh, aside from Devonte parker he doesn't have oh there's water. a
0: lot of weapons out there yeah there's a lot of weapons
1: <laughs> like we were talking about earlier that's a lot of guys it's just a, it's a lot of guys we'll talk about those guys so okay and then uh then the big uh, the, the kind of the big elephant in the room is uh Tua a uh this this yeah this exactly this guy is awesome man i i love i love watching him play and uh this guy is, is so good that they're building this entire team around him. You know, don't none of this stuff is by accident. I think they're doing a great job playing to his strengths. So this whole offense that Chan Gailey is implementing and all the players around him, specific scheme fits for the offense alignment and everything around him is all based on Tua, okay, which is smart because he's the, he's the quarterback of the future. So they're setting this up kind of like the Alabama offense. And, and they're going to use the RPO option, and they're going to use that gap power run scheme, and that's what Tua is good at running. He's really good at that tr- being the trigger man in the RPO system, you know. So I think he's going to be awesome in this system. I'm just very concerned about his transition. Okay, so we have a lot of things going on here. We have a shortened off season, right? There's no, there's no. Right now, he's doing virtual OTAs. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I think they actually are getting the playbook. I know that you had questioned that on a few podcasts. I think they have access to the playbook. They can study that, but it's a little different just studying it and doing virtual, you know, virtual Zoom yeah. calls and actually being there, running the plays. So, so for a rookie coming in, who's coming off, you know, coming off a major injury. He's not going to be able to you know, get into – he's going to be familiar with the system because it's going to be similar to his Alabama offense, but he's not going to get as much work uh, in person uh, in terms of getting the timing with the receivers where Fitzpatrick already has the timing. Um, and also Fitzpatrick – Ryan Fitzpatrick was with Chan Gailey, so he's already familiar with his concepts. He was with Chan Gailey in Buffalo when he was head coach there, and Chan Gailey was offensive coordinator when Fitzpatrick was with the New York Jets. So these guys have a ton of history together, which tells me – Uh, that at least this year Fitzpatrick is his guy so that's why I feel like it's going to take a long time for Tua to get up to speed and I think he's too valuable that you can't risk him for an injury which tells me that that similar to Patrick Mahomes uh season they figured out that Patrick Mahomes was super valuable and they obviously had Alex Smith that year okay so they they intentionally held uh I think Mahomes out to protect him and allow him to learn and develop behind Alex Smith, knowing that in the future that they would get that, that they were going to get him in there, no matter, even if Alex Smith wasn't injured. Right. So I think it's a similar situation is it's a red shirt year for Tua. If he does get in, it's going to be like the last, like during the last four games, he might get in so that he can get some real world, uh, real world reps against NFL talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think it's worth the injury risk because even though he's healed, I don't know if he's fully ready for for uh, for full contact and everything. Um, so and then uh, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, you know I know obviously you want to talk about Tua, but I don't know if you want to get into his stats or anything like that because um, I didn't cover any stats on him. Otherwise, I can do that. But yeah, obviously, why don't you talk about Tua and, and what what things you like about him? Because obviously, this is the franchise here for the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. it, man.
0: So in Alabama, in 32 games at Bama, he had. Uh, over 7,400 7, total yards passing, 87 touchdowns, and only 11 interceptions. Uh, he ran for another 340 yards and another nine touchdowns. So he didn't run too much at Bama, but that's because he didn't have to. That's because Alabama is just so much better than your average college football team that you don't need to put your quarterback in jeopardy. And at six foot 6'217", Uh, You don't want to put your your quarterback at jeopardy, kind of like the the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray could definitely run, and he showed he ran a lot, but you don't want to put him there in unnecessary hits if he doesn't have to take it. Um, And speaking of Kyler Murray, and I know you brought up Russell Wilson before, I don't know what it is, but I love all three of these guys I really like undersized quarterbacks that are mobile and that have pinpoint accuracy and that can place the ball on every level of the field, whether it's five yards, 15 yards, 35 yards down the field, Um, but Tua is, is poised. Uh, he showed it in the national championship game when he just came in and, and finished and, and came back and, and won that game. Um, but he should be healthy and ready to roll by OTAs. The, the only thing about that is that I don't know how much practice rep he's going to have to realistically push Ryan Fitzpatrick in the beginning of the year. I don't think that Tua is going to start out of the gate, like you mentioned. It's definitely going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, if this was a normal offseason, I would think maybe we... Five, week six, he would start getting all the calls if they're 0-4 or 0-5, hey, bring in Tua, bring in Tua, bring in Tua, because this is different than the Chiefs team that had Alex Smith, and that was one of the best teams in the the league when Mahomes was sitting. Um, But now, without that offseason program, I don't know if I can see him getting in week four, five, six. I'd think more of uh, week eight, week nine, when they face the Rams or Cardinals, or even um i hope it's not too long but even after the week week 11 bye, he might they might give him that full week to prepare uh that, a lot of times that happens if they have the opportunity to do so they'll give him the full week to prepare and then he plays the last five six games of the season um but yeah this is the future of the franchise and i am so excited uh whether he plays a, like you said you don't think he might play at all this year whether he plays one game uh, 15 games zero games he is already the face of the franchise. I will tell you as a Dolphin fan, everybody is super excited for him, whether he steps on the field or not. We know that it's coming. We know that it's there, and we finally have something uh, we can believe in and be proud of. But, yeah, this guy, he is—he looks like the real deal when he's healthy. He can make every throw on the field, and it's not every day that you can say people can make this. And as we've seen lately, shorter quarterbacks have had success. Uh just look at Drew Brees, look at Russell Wilson, look at Kyler Murray was successful last year. Shorter quarterbacks are starting to uh, not get as overlooked as they used to be.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it is it is going to be interesting. It's good that you brought up that bye week because that would be a good target to bring him in. Like I said, the ideal target if you're bringing him in is towards that last quarter of the year, those last four to five yeah. games there. That's the ideal if you want to get some reps. I mean, uh, at that point, I'm assuming that, the, the you know, the Dolphins might have – you know five or six wins or something like that you know trying to trying to finish strong and be like an 8 and 8 team i mean realistically but you never know the nfls has surprised all the time but this team doesn't look to probably be a playoff team um, I think that the rest of the division is actually good. I think that the, we, we talked about – I talked about the New York Jets the other day. I think they're actually a sneaky team. They're improved, and the Buffalo Bills, you already know, are solid. Yeah. And New England, I don't think, is going anywhere. They're probably not going to be as dominant, but they're still going to be a, a, a contending team, right? So yeah. uh, so that's why it's tough. It's a tough path in this division. But the Dolphins are rebuilding, and they're doing it the right way. And I think Tua is a super is a, is a future star. I just don't think it's worth You could say superstar.
0: This. You could say it.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's a superstar. Superstar and a future superstar. But I just don't think he's worth risking right now. Uh, the yeah. fact that you never know with the type of contact, if he, if he has a major re-injury, it's not worth it. Being that the team isn't quite ready uh, to to make a run for this division or the playoffs yet. So what's really the point? Yeah. Um, but I, I do like their potential. And I like the idea of I've heard of a lot of talk about the three year plan in the following season. Twenty twenty one would be the third year of the rebuild You improve the roster even more, give him even more weapons and protection. And then he goes full steam that year. And that could be. You know the the Patrick Mahomes example. I know is an extreme example because <laughs> Patrick Mahomes when he came in through 50 touchdowns and went nuts. You know, <laughs> but even if you can have a poor man's version of that, you know, and win, you know, and get competitive where you can win nine or ten games, and that's really the goal here. I think is to yeah. rebuild and be competitive again, which yeah. it's probably been, it's probably been a while uh, since the Dolphins have been competitive. So uh, so yeah, I like I think the.
0: You're, I think you're right on the money with with the competitiveness in the division because as long as yeah. Bill Belichick is coaching in this league. That team is, is should win nine, ten games. They're gonna be in the playoff race. I don't see why not. I know people say I, I said it, Tom Brady's gone finally. We have something to be happy about. But Bill Belichick is still there. So we're not too happy about it. Um but yeah, the the Bills are already a really good that defense is phenomenal. And as yeah. long as Josh Allen keeps continuing to improve, that team's gonna get better. We'll talk about them more tomorrow. And yeah, the yeah. Jets, I, I kinda like the Jets as long as they can stay healthy too. Yeah, um, they should be they, good. They, they have Adam Gase, so anything can happen, and he, I don't like him at all. So that could be their downfall. But uh, besides yeah. him, I think the roster is pretty good. And, yeah, I don't, the Dolphins, they don't need to rush Tua. We're not going anywhere this year. Um, yeah. There's a couple scenarios. If if the team starts off hot, which maybe they do, they don't need to put in Tua because then they'll just keep riding Fitzpatrick. If they're losing a lot, then there's going to be more calls for let's see what Tua can do to finish out the year. Um, but I, I think ideally – eight to week 11 after that buy maybe right before the buy or right after the buy is when they want to get him some reps heading into next season. So he's not, uh, he's, he, so he has more reps than just a handful of games, but that, that would be good yeah. for me. If I can see him play for five, six games, I think that'd be good for the team and then good for the future as well.
1: Yeah. I think that'll be helpful. It's <laughs> just, you know, at Alabama, he didn't really have that, you know, he didn't play that much early. He just mm-hmm. basically played like there's two gears. And in Alabama, he had all the perfect conditions, right? He had a dominant offensive line, a dominant dominant running game, and a dominant defense, a dominant, you know, O line running game. And then obviously he had probably the best receiving core in the entire in the entire nation and just ridiculous receiving core so he had everything perfect when you come to the nfl the competition level is way up there and he doesn't have all these perfect conditions so he probably needs to sit and learn a little bit you know uh, before he just gets thrown right into the mix plus the injury concerns so that's why i think they're going to be more cautious uh rather than just get him in there because they're excited about their new you know superstar you know future superstar rookie (laughs) you know i don't i don't think that could end that couldn't that doesn't going to end well if you get him in there too early so okay, I think that's enough about two. We spent a lot of time because he is, like I said, pretty much the franchise man. I mean, the, the guy is I I really think he's got big things in store. Now the running, hey, we can probably just skip the running back position then, right? I'm just <laughs> I mean, that was really bad. So 2019, you could almost skip the running back position here. Okay, so here's the here's the Miami Dolphins. I think we pop. could
0: have did. I could. I think we could have replicated what they did in their running back group that last year.
1: So here you go, Santino. Here's the Miami Dolphins, the pop quiz that I hear everyone using. So. Uh, when we're talking about the running backs here, who was the leading rusher last year and the leading rushing touchdown guy for the Miami Dolphins? This is like the funniest, like a trivia question. Uh,
0: he wasn't a running back. I'll say oh, that.
1: No, so, so who was it?
0: Fitzpatrick.
1: It was Fitzpatrick. So <laughs> Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher. He's had Ryan, Ryan Fitzmagic. That's why they call him Fitzmagic. <laughs> Again, I mentioned earlier, 243 yards. So he led the team in uh, rushing yards yards per attempt at 4.5 and rushing touchdowns. So I think, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's when you have an issue, right? Uh, So I don't think we need to talk about the running backs. Obviously Kenyon Drake is gone. We don't need to talk about last year's running backs is what I mean. Uh, Yeah. Caleb Balaj and, you know, Patrick Laird. I don't think we're getting too excited about him or Mark Walden, Walton or any of those guys, but we do want to talk about Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. excited about them. Um, so I actually like Jordan Howard as a fantasy sleeper this year and keep in mind, traditionally, I do not like Jordan Howard as a player. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, he did pretty decent last year. Obviously he had a really good offensive line a good scheme in Philadelphia, um, but he got hit he a lot of injury issues and he, and he, you know, he was just kind of average. So last year he played in about 10 games, 119, uh, 119 carries 525 yards, 4.4 average and six touchdowns. So he was a touchdown dependent you know, kind of plodding back last year. Um, but he did produce, you know, a few fantasy games because of the touchdowns. He's uh, fairly cheap. I feel like he's just going to get a lot of volume on first and second down in the running game. Again, this team is going to want to run the ball a lot more and actually I think that with the improved offensive line, they have a big offensive line now and some guys that are fit for this power gap scheme. I think that they will actually run the ball more effectively and be able to stay in games and run the ball Uh, with more volume so this is setting up good for Jordan Howard being that he's a bigger back okay so I do actually project him I like him in DFS especially on FanDuel I like him because I think he's going to be cheap you know if I can get him for like you know 5,500 or 6,000 on FanDuel I think I'm comfortable with him in most game scripts if it's a game where I think Miami's going to be in the game and not completely blown out okay so that's kind of my thing on Jordan Howard uh I know you didn't like Jordan Howard quite as much what do you how do you feel about him
0: I mean he's not bad I, I like them both as a tandem uh, Jordan Howard's had success in this league before he has two years of over a thousand yards it hasn't happened in the last two years um, but he's he's pretty much a safe banger between the tackles he's going to be the red zone option on this team uh, so that's what you want to see in, in a fantasy and DFS target he's not a big play threat last year his highest uh, rushing a, or his biggest play was, I believe, 20 yards. So not a big play threat, but he's safe, reliable, uh, more a little better than your average plotter, I would say. Um, but with him, he's he's able to bang between the tackles, be a red zone guy, and then you pair him up with a Matt Breida who uh, I love the trade for that, fifth rounder for him who's average. I'll just transition right into Breida, and then you can touch yeah. on it. Uh, oh, yeah. Breida had 5.3 yards per carry in 2018 and 5.1 yards per carry last year. Um, he's, he's more of the big play threat. He's the big play, uh, big play guy. And he's a very good receiver with, and with soft hands, something that Jordan Howard isn't bad at, but isn't great at as well. Um, and Brita has been in off in in ineffective, um, committees before as is Howard with Tariq Cohen and last year before he got hurt with Miles Sanders. Um, but one thing about Brita is he does pick up a lot of nagging injuries that happened the last two years. So I do like how they have, the option of Howard to bang between the tackles and red zone and Breida to come in, change of pace and be that big play receiving uh, threat there. But the, I think this one, two punch is going to be effective, but again, it's a committee. So it's, it's always, um, in DFS, you kind of want to sh- shy away from the committees and depending on which site you're playing on, uh, for PPR, I want Matt Breida cause I know he's going to get more receptions for, uh non-PPR or half-PPR like FanDuel, I'm looking more towards Howard because I know he's the red zone guy, and he will get in between the 20s. That's where he's going to come in.
1: Yeah, and I, I, Matt Breida is, you know, he's a guy that's undersized. He's 5'10", 190. However, he is a complete freak athlete. I mean, he's around, you know, four three speed. I mean, he's off the charts in terms of his athleticism and his quickness and all his measurables there. So he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of playmaking ability. He can do that without a ton of volume as well. So that's why you got to really like him. And I think that they, they should be able to use him more in the uh, in the passing game. I think he's really – he was underutilized in the passing game because San Francisco last year didn't really have to pass the ball.
0: And to then they had Tevin in. Coleman as well who's – Pretty yeah, much the same player. In,
1: kind of. So they didn't really pass the ball to him a lot uh, there. He had 19 receptions for 120 yards and touchdowns. So I think that he can be used as a receiving back more. If you get this guy in space, he's completely explosive. Mm-hmm. He he can run between the tackles. He's pretty tough for a smaller guy. It's just that's not necessarily his strength, but he can do that. He had uh, 623 rushing yards and a touchdown last year. Like you said, he averaged over five yards per carry. Uh, so he's got a, uh, he's just a lead athleticism I definitely like him as a change of pace kind of guy and a third down back. Um, so in PPR formats, yeah, I think I think he's great and I think I expect a lot more uh, receptions and a lot more production there. And uh, hopefully he can he can play that kind of combo role where he can do both rushing and a lot of receiving and and make a lot of big plays. Uh, and I think that even though it's a committee, it's really only a two man committee, at least yeah. they're not rolling 3d, you know, <laughs> where the volume's going to go. So I think he'll get enough volume being that he doesn't need a ton. You know, if mm-hmm. he can get around, uh, you know, even around like 12, 12 to uh, 14 touches per game, for example, um, that's enough for Matt Burrito with his, with his production in terms of his explosive ability to get this guy in space. Uh, and he's not going to be expensive at all. He should be super cheap uh, draft king. So, yeah, definitely a guy that I think you fire up that people aren't thinking about necessarily.
0: And uh, Brita, in terms of GPP play, he's the guy I would be targeting. I like him better as a, as a player and as an athlete than Howard because he, he is both of those. Um, but I would probably target him more as a GPP and Howard more as your safer uh, – with a safer floor cash game guy because he does have that touchdown – he, he will be the red zone guy, and you're familiar with LeGuerre and Blount and how all you need is a couple carries and plod your way into the end zone and you you make your fantasy day right there.
1: Yeah, he's the <laughs> ultimate touchdown dependent guy. I think Howard will have more rushing yards, but not enough to, to have that big uh, breakout game. So you're right there. Howard does make you nervous uh, in terms of his upside. But, it, yeah, he should be a pretty, pretty safe floor, though. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he, we'll have to look at his price as well. I think yeah. if Jordan Howard can get you, you know – like 18 fantasy points on Fandor or something like that, he's probably going to hit value. Uh, Two or in this three, fight.
0: maybe three times, four times. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's just not going to be a guy, like you said, I agree that he's not a big ceiling. But Brita, he's the type of guy that could have a couple bad games and then all of a sudden just go completely <laughs> nuts, you know, cause he, cause he's just, you get this guy in space, you know, he's probably not the best at like breaking tackles, but he's really good at eluding tacklers and just the speed and quickness and mm-hmm. freak athleticism explosion that he has. So, yeah. So I, I really like Breida. You're right. That's a perfect example of not only a guy that's good on DK compared to Jordan Howard being FanDuel, but a guy that's more suited for GPPs compared to cash, too. So you got two good examples there of these guys. Uh, But, yeah, you have to pay attention to these running backs because they're going to want to funnel the ball through them a lot more than they did last year. And they're obviously a lot better. And, uh, you know, we can talk about their offensive line at some point as well here, uh, that how they upgraded that and how that's going to be more of a powerful offensive line where, la- where last year the offensive line was just horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, so they were really bad. That's putting so, it
0: nicely, too. I know. They were really bad, <laughs>
1: exactly. So I think we talked enough about running backs. Uh, why don't you, uh, do you want to go over the receivers? Uh, I'm assuming you're a Devontae Parker fan. I know I'm a huge fan of him. What do you think about Devontae Parker here?
0: Yeah, so Devontae Parker, finally, uh, finally lived up to that first round billing last year. He finished fifth in the league in the y- in yards. At a, he had 128 targets, 72 catches, uh, 1202 yards, nine touchdowns, 16.7 yards per catch, and he was sixth in the league at with 13 yards before the catch. So a lot of his – he was making a lot of big plays out there. He only had two broken tackles, and he did drop six balls. So um, still iffy on his hands, but I like him. I don't know if I like his talent as much as someone else I'll get to, but I really like him, and he turned into a premier deep threat, and he turned into a premier receiver last year finally. Um, I'm hoping – I'm just hoping that it wasn't because it was his – last chance it, it was seemingly every year it was Devonte Parker's going to break out and then his last chance last chance but i'm hoping it wasn't because it was his contract year that he finally uh, busted through and then got his payday and then now he's back to the Devonte Parker of old who's just so frustrating hopefully it's not that that's not the case and he's going to continue being this team's number 1 receiver um but yeah 4 years of underwhelmingness and last year he went off and his 9 touchdowns that he had last year were tied that's how many he had in his first four years in the league so that just shows how awesome he was in uh in the league last year seven games with 10 plus targets all happened in those last 11 games after the first five that i mentioned they were they only scored three touchdowns so (laughs) or four touchdowns um four games of 100 plus yards all in the last six games and they were four and three in those last seven in the last seven games so his with him playing at his best ball didn't hurt the team. They uh, they actually it actually helped the team. The team was playing better when he was playing better. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come. And he does have all, he does have tremendous talent. So um, if he can keep his head on his shoulders and keep continuing to improve, he should be top fifteen receiver again.
1: Yeah, I think that this guy, yeah, he's borderline uh, wide receiver one, and he's still kind of flying under the radar even though he had a really strong finish. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at that, there was two guys last year that were labeled that were uh that were super uh you know first round picks Devonte Parker was the first round pick I don't remember when yep. he was picked first round picks two there was two guys 14th. first round, yeah for, yeah uh that were highly touted super freak athletic guys that were supposed to be stars in the league and that were labeled a bust okay so the two guys are Brashad Pyramid played for Tampa Bay <laughs> last year, with the Jets okay and Devonte Parker Both of them were coming on, basically like coming into contract years. Were labeled as bust and were super talented. Had a lot of issues throughout the years, injuries and various issues. And both of them went nuts the last like five or six games of the year. Okay, so I was kind of on both these. But anyways, if you played these guys in daily fantasy, uh, their price it took a while for it to go up. It never got like super expensive. If you played them basically every week for the like the last like four or five weeks of the season, and you just put in De- Devonte Parker and Rashad Pyramid, you win all the money. Like they yeah. were they were consistently putting up. Uh, and Devonte Parker had fantasy games, uh, 38 fantasy points on DraftKings, 25, 24, 23, 23. I mean, he had a bunch in the, like the high teens. I mean, he was completely started to dominate there, um, and he was just awesome for the daily fantasy because you know. It took a while for people to start trusting him. You know, people were like, "It was just a one-week fluke breakout," and he just kept producing. Uh, so, yeah. So this guy was this guy was awesome, and I think that he is a legitimate star. And it will be really interesting to see how he is in the new offense, and also how he how he meshes with Tua once he gets in rhythm with him. So yeah. that could be there could be big things for the future there. Uh, no, I know you really like Preston Williams, and I I think that he was okay. I wasn't quite as high on him. He was an undrafted free agent, so it's great. He kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but what can you talk about Preston, what, Preston Williams and why you like him so much?
0: Uh, well, he should have. Be, uh, he was legitimately could have been a first round pick last or last year, but uh, the little off field issues that he had, uh, domestic dispute and something else, caused him to fall. And then he had an underwhelming pro day, all uh, caused him to not get drafted at all, which was shocking. But yeah, I love that. I really love this guy. I think. Like I said, he could have been a first-rounder. He's a supremely gifted athlete, and I think he is the most talented guy on this team. I know Devontae Parker just had his breakout year, um, and I'm high on Parker, but I think this guy has so much talent. In eight games, and he got hurt in the eighth one. Uh, Through eight games, 60 targets, 32 catches, 428 yards, three touchdowns, and 13.4 yards per catch, Um, two broken tackles, and he had four drops. But if you extrapolate that through a whole season, that's uh, 120 targets, over 60 catches, uh, 900 yards, six touchdowns for a rookie, undrafted rookie. That's that's really good. And uh, the team picked their play up later in the season. So maybe he could have hit 1,000 yards if he wasn't hurt. Who knows? Uh, but he had more yards. If, if we go on a game-by-game basis last year, um, I know Parker started going off at the end of the year. And I'm so happy I could finally see that. But through the first eight games, through the eight games that um, Preston and Parker played together, well, Preston had five Five of the eight games, he had more yards than, than Parker. Um, they made and, um, in five of the five of those eight games, he had at least seven targets with no less than five. So they made for a pretty good one-two punch. I know it didn't jump off in the box score because they were getting blown out. Um, but he looked to be the top option at the team at before getting hurt. And then, uh, sadly, an ACL ended his season. Uh, they say he's going to be ready for the season opener, and they're hopeful for that. And he looks like he's on track to. But we'll see because... Uh, all this uncertainty that happened in the offseason he's not getting the training that he could be getting and should be getting so we'll see what happens and where he is heading into uh, OTAs and all that but if he's healthy he's going to slot in as the opposite uh, for Davante Parker he's not going to get that top corner coverage and I just love this guy's talent he can be anybody whether it's uh, he's a very powerful physical guy and he has some speed to beat you over the top
1: yeah, hopefully he can come back from that ACL healthy. And most players are able to do that now with the new technology yeah. that they have in the rehab. Um, but I, I do really like the fact that he kind of broke out under the radar in the first eight games, and then he got injured and kind of went off the radar. So to me, that's cheap. like you know, again, yeah, he's super cheap. People completely forgot about him, so he's probably lower ownership. There, it's not really a guy you're thinking of. Um, but the fact that you're saying he could be that one-two punch with the Devontae Parker and Preston Williams just being the the two top receivers in this game. I can see Preston Williams uh, being good in this like RPO scheme kind of run pass option scheme in this chain Gailey system. So if he can, if he can really develop in this system, he should get a lot of targets and I think he's, he's good, definitely good. Like he's good at running after the catch. He's a good uh, PPR type guy. He should be able to get quite a few receptions there um, and kind of rack up a lot, rack up a lot of yards and receptions. And it looks like he can, uh, you know, get some, uh, red zone targets as well. Uh, yeah. So I think that there is uh, big things available for him just being that beyond Devonte Parker and Preston Williams, mm-hmm. the receiver core is really not that impressive. Uh, so I think that a lot of the the targets are going to be funneled to those two guys, to your point in Preston yeah. Williams, because he, the injury people aren't thinking about him as much so that make it So uh, it's actually uh, a good point that you brought him up, uh, as you Probably one of your favorite receivers on this team, because I wasn't thinking about him either as much because it's been so long since he's played. Um, So, yeah, I think he's a great fantasy pick there. Uh, I actually love
0: that point, that uh, the fact that he got hurt and Devontae Parker finished the season so strong. uh, He's going to be overlooked coming into the season. And if he's ready to go, uh, like you mentioned, there's there's a lot of depth on this team at wide receiver, but uh, not production. So drop yeah, off thick, right? <laughs> it drops off very quickly. So these top two guys and then the tight end, uh, they're going to be one, two, three options. And uh, for a team that should be more competitive, I know we both think that they're going to run the ball more, but competitive yep. more team, um, it's going to be different. And I, I do like Preston Williams going under the radar heading into the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if they don't get as much pass in volume, if they can score more, it'll yeah. still be more opportunities, right? Yeah. <laughs> and actually make more drives and, you know, get more plays on offense. That'll be good. Uh, so definitely good at Preston Williams. Now they have Alan Hearns. He's kind of a, uh, kind of like their big slot. It seems like they like to line him up in the slot. And I know that Alan Hearns has been kind of like up and down throughout his career, but for the most part, he hasn't really played that good these last uh, few years. I mean, last year he played 14 games. He had, 32 catches for 416 yards you know he averaged 13 yards per catch only two touchdowns so really nothing spectacular he didn't really didn't do a whole lot so it's a guy that you have to keep your eye on because he he is fairly talented and he's experienced uh but i don't i don't really like him that much it's gonna it's kind of hard to to like him that much but you you never know if he fits the (laughs) system he's kind of a big physical guy and he can create some mismatches in the slot maybe if they want to line them up there. Or do you think that they're lining up uh, Alan Hearns more in the slot, or do you think they want to put Preston Williams in the slot, or do you have any idea there? I
0: like uh, I like them putting Al Wilson in the slot or yeah. having Al Wilson as that top three. I kind of i kinda, we'll get to him in a minute, but I'm biased. I like him. But Alan yeah. Hearns, ever since that big injury, I believe it was on the Cowboys when he broke his leg think nastily, he hasn't been the same player. He hasn't been really good. Um uh, he is a he's gonna steal some targets and or some catches. He's he might squ- find the end zone, but I'm not looking to play him at all. If if you have to play Alan Hearns, uh, your your lineup is, is uh not looking good there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of rough. So so I do like it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Albert Wilson has more upside there. Um, what do you th- what do you like about Albert Wilson? Do you like uh do you like him as a big play threat? He didn't really average that much yards per reception last year, but I don't know mm. if that was just a fluke or not.
0: So this is maybe this is a little bias for me, but but I am a fan of him. And uh, I just the only thing is I don't know how many guys in this pass offense will hold value, and I think Parker Preston. And then Gasecki will hold a little bit of value. So I don't know how much Wilson will hold value in fantasy and uh, DFS terms. But this guy is a speed demon. Uh, the last few years, he's battled injury, which uh, some people do. So he hasn't really had production. And when he did play last year, he just wasn't productive at all. Uh, but when before the last couple of years, he was consistently among the yards per catch leaders In Kansas City and then his first year in Miami before he got hurt his his career high is 450 yards But this guy I think runs 434 speed Um, He's great in open space and if he has the ball in his hands He could just beat people and he's a big yard yak guy because it's hard to catch He's so small and and so fast and so quick. It's hard to catch him Um, But again, he's for me. He's a the fourth option passing option on this team and I don't know how much pass value will go around if this team is more competitive. Like I think they, like we both think they will be. Uh, if they're crappy again and they're just giving up 31 points a game next year, I'll, I'll start looking Al Wilson's way. But I, I don't. Until that happens, I can't foresee it. But I do like him as a player.
1: Yeah, he's he's tough to trust, but he does have more talent and more upside potential there, like you said, with the big player ability. So he might fit this scheme where they get him into a lot of like quick passes and allow him to run like wide receiver screens and those bubble screens, those type of things. Um, So, yeah, he's a guy that you have to keep an eye on uh, as another cheap option there. And then they have Isaiah Ford and Jakeem Grant. Those are the couple of the other guys that are on the depth chart as well. I know Jakeem Grant is kind of a freak athlete as well. He's kind of a Mm -hmm. smaller guy, but he's kind of a special teams yeah. you know he's super quick and you know fast he's kind of a raw talent still developing so he's a guy that could come out of the scene and make a couple big plays like he typically does so you kind of have to pay attention to him too if, if they have a couple re- injuries or something
0: yeah jakeem grant he's more of a special teams guy and he's an integral part of that um yeah. i i wouldn't trust him in, in dfs just because he doesn't really have a role in offense but like as you mentioned this guy's a matt he's big and fast he's a he's a Great athlete. Yeah. Uh, he could break one long. He, he has done it a couple of times through, throughout his career on offense and uh, kick returning, punt returning. He can break them, break a long one for a touchdown. But picking those days are going to be hard. But if someone yep. gets hurt, say a Devontae Parker gets hurt um, again, then he's then I'll start looking more as grants way. I would look him over Alan Hearns because of that big playability.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a guy that uh, I think is developing more as a receiver. He is a special teams you know core guy, mm-hmm. uh, but I can see him continue to get better at route running. He's got good hands and quickness. You know, he's not very tall, but he is he is uh, <laughs> really well built. He's he's definitely strong and. His quickness and speed, or his athleticism, are just ridiculous. So, so yeah. you never know. They might look to get him involved more as well. Um, so you can see they're kind of spreading it out quite a bit here. Um, but we can should be able to predict most of the the target going to Devonte Parker and Preston Williams, and then it really gets kind of spread out from there. Um, with the tight ends, it's really not as spread out. It's pretty <laughs> it's pretty uh, it's pretty clear there with the tight end. Uh, so why don't you talk about uh, Mike Geseki here? He's a kind of an up and coming tight end guy here.
0: Yeah, so he was a second rounder a couple years ago Uh, Very bad rookie year, but it was Major improvement in in year two And again, just like Parker uh, Mike Gusecki turned it on And and just like the team in general, I should say They turned it on in the back half of the year Um, So he finished with 89 targets 51 catches, 570 yards 5 touchdowns, 11.2 yards per catch Uh, He's going to be an integral Part of this offense, the more he learns if you i know you're a you're a big draft guy and we'll get to that. I'll let you break down the draft. Uh, but this guy was a freak athlete and if you saw his his combine and, and his numbers, he dominated everybody in in at the tight end position in the um in the com, or in, with his combine results he was he's six six two fifty two but he run a, ran a four five five forty uh he had a forty one point five vertical jump. Like that's insane uh, number one in at uh, tight ends and broad jump number one in a ton of things um, but he scored all five of his touchdowns within the last six weeks last year and eight of the last eight of the nine last weeks that he played he had six plus targets and five of the last that he played or five of the last six uh, he had seven plus targets so he was getting more involved as the season went on as the team was playing better as he was starting to adapt more to the NFL learn more to the NFL he was able to use his skills freesome and it's a huge size to his advantage and um, he's probably if he can continue to improve he's probably the number one red zone option on this team just because he's a physical specimen out there and he and he can jump higher than Parker and Preston Williams.
1: Yeah and he doesn't really have any competition for targets at the tight end position and they don't really have that many big targets outside of uh, Devontae Parker uh, but they don't really have that many big targets over the middle um, and they so far haven't really thrown the ball, the running backs that much either. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's actually good. Uh, I think Chan Gailey is going to use him a lot. And I think Fitzpatrick already has good chemistry for him. And I think if Tua gets in there, he would definitely target this guy a lot. And I can see him as kind of like the new offense being similar to the Philadelphia Eagles. They keep bringing up, you know, it's a power running game with a run pass option and if you could think of Mike Goseki as having the potential like a Zach Ertz in that offense and how they use those tight ends, that's like a comparison that I want to use in terms of the potential you might have here. Maybe not quite mm. as good as Zach Ertz, but if you can <laughs> even get close to that, hey, we're yeah. we're cooking here, right? <laughs> Looking exactly. good. So so I like I do like his profile here. And I like the 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 volume and the opportunity that he has in his role on this team. And we'll have to keep a close eye on what his role is in this Chan Gailey offense, uh, because I think it does have huge potential here with his opportunity. And he already has athleticism and chemistry with the quarterback and timing. Uh, So, yeah, definitely a guy that I can see them targeting a lot um and he's and very productive and if they have a better uh offense they're going to get in the red zone more and this guy's a huge red zone target obviously he had five touchdowns last year but i could see this guy getting you know somewhere around eight touchdowns easily in terms of being a red zone target um so yeah so i he's i think he's good uh definitely a good tight end that uh you know i i try to play him as sleepers a sleeper here and there and you know i've you know, I don't know. If, I don't think I was picking the right weeks. Like when I <laughs> did play him, I remember. But it's a guy that I want to keep on my radar now. Yeah. Because I don't think a ton of people are thinking about him. Because you got all these other tight ends. You know, I always bring up, you know, Darren Waller, exactly. and Mark Andrews, that people are in love with now, right? But when you talk about a nice pivot that's even way cheaper, that can have similar production to those guys, Mike Geseki is a perfect yeah. candidate for that. And then that allows you to load up at the other positions when you're talking about a DFS build. Um, so mm-hmm. Geseki would be good on DraftKings or FanDuel, I think.
0: And there's only a few tight ends that are consistently among the top from year to year. Um, depending in, in whenever you're looking at it, there are for statistics. I know we're playing at a week to week basis, but you want them to continually improve year to year, and not a lot of tight ends do that nowadays. And if I'm looking for a guy who's going to be cheap, he's probably going to be. Uh, he has a chance for me on most weeks to be a top ten tight end at at. Uh, tight at 20 price tag. And that's a big leap for me. Instead of paying up for, like you mentioned a Darren Waller or a Mark Andrews, I can pay down for this guy. And I think he might get similar production out here. Uh, and he is it, it, the more the team gets better. And the more the team can move the ball and get first downs and get to the green zone. And then eventually the red zone. Um, the more opportunity for this guy to use his size and athletic ability to get those red zone targets and score. And I just, he is one of the sleeper tight ends that I want to look at. And especially at tight end in a position that is kind of a wasteland sometimes, you want to get these guys before people start catching on and realize that, oh, this guy's damn good. Uh, so you want to try and get him before that. And we, I mentioned that they're, the first two weeks are against the Patriots and Bills. Uh, Maybe he turns it if if, uh, Parker and Williams are getting locked down on the outside, maybe he turns into the number one target for those two on a very cheap slate because they're going against top defenses.
1: Yeah, you don't want to target the cornerbacks on those teams, for sure, with <laughs> yeah. Stephon Gilmore and, uh, you know, the guy up there at the, uh, the Bills. So, yeah, de- yeah, 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 exactly, Tredavious White. So you, you definitely want to, uh, you know, probably target the safeties and linebackers. Yeah, and Gusecki's the guy that was kind of disappointed. like his rookie year. He was supposed to be the uh, breakout talent, and I remember he was a disappointment. So a lot of people still remember that, I think. And the point is, tight ends typically take longer to develop in the NFL. So the fact that he's coming in, is this his third or fourth? fourth year, I third, believe yeah. third year. Uh, that's what I thought. Uh, I think that he's going to, he's going to be a lot more comfortable in the league now and uh, be able to really play and not think as much. And uh, I think he'll be good in this new offense. Uh, you know, so yeah, he's a guy that can have, I think quite a few fantasy games, probably around the 20 point range uh, fantasy points and be a super cheap price too at the tight end position. So uh, yeah. So that's another uh, kind of hidden gem that I think we found on this team that I think is, is a good guy to look at is Mike Gasecki here. Uh, along with guys like Preston Williams, that you know, I was initially thinking of Preston Williams, you know, because uh, the <laughs> recency bias here, you know. Um, yeah. Do you want to transition into the draft? And they had 11 draft picks, so we don't need to cover them all, but we should cover quite a bit of them because this is obviously a really important part of this rebuild. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, um, uh, we can, uh, touching on a lot of draft picks. Obviously, we, we pretty much talked about two already. Uh, we don't need to get in him into him. Austin Jackson, their second first-round pick, he's going to start at left tackle right out of the gate. And as he should, I, they needed someone on the front line. And they did add uh, Karis Flowers, and then they added another lineman in the second round. But uh, Austin Jackson's a big physical guy. I think he's going to – I think Fitzpatrick's going to like him because I don't know how uh, uh, um, Play this year, but um, the more he uh, Eric was left-handed, so uh, Eric Flowers is actually going to be the more important position. I think he should be playing right tackle, or maybe they switch it. I don't know, but um yeah. Then the oh, you know, did you want to say something?
1: No, no, I, I I almost forgot about that. The fact that uh, you know uh, Tua Tungoloa, his his top uh, uh, draft, his top guy, uh, what was his name? Was it Wills? Uh, his top tackle played right tackle. Yeah, at yeah. Alabama, you know, and I, and I think of that. So I think you're right, though. I think that Austin Jackson is a natural fit at left tackle, um, and he's kind of raw. He's a raw athlete. You know, he's really long and athletic, but he really hasn't had that much playing experience, uh, and he still needs to develop. So I think it makes sense to put him at left tackle and uh, and then put uh, – the only thing is I'm not sure about right the right tackle position still um so i'm just wondering uh here's what i mean by that i'm wondering if they're going to put eric flowers in the guard position i've heard i've heard rumors that eric flowers because he he kind of did not show the athleticism when he was in new york he was kind of a bust at the tackle position so now that you say that um i'm a little bit worried about the right tackle position and i'm trying to figure out who is going to start there
0: they'd have uh jesse davis or Julian Avenport doesn't give you too much confidence. Uh, but, yeah, no, Jules. Jesse
1: Davis did not. I don't think he was great last year. So, and that, that can help us transition into another draft pick here. So then the second round pick 39, they took Robert Hunt, a guard out of Louisiana Lafayette. And I think that they want to give this guy a look at right tackle. Uh, he has a scheme fit for this power running game. He's a big guy, six-five, three thirty-six. 336 Um, I think his, his he was very big, powerful type guy. So I think he profiles in the NFL better as a as a guard, which is would be great for this power yeah. running game. But the the problem I see is I still don't see a clear cut right tackle. So I did hear rumors that uh, they might let him compete at right tackle and see if he can play out there. The problem is he's not really that great as an athlete, kind of in yeah. space in terms of his footwork. So that's where he profiles more of a guard. But he he did play tackle. Uh, at Louisiana Lafayette. He played both positions, but most recently he played tackle there. Uh, So I guess that's something that we need to keep an eye on as we get into training camp is what's going on with this right tackle position. Cause I apologize. I completely forgot about (laughs) the fact that the right tackle is really the most valuable position. And when I initially looked at this draft, I was like, great Austin Jackson, just lock him in at left tackle. And he's still kind of raw and kind of questionable there as well. Um, But overall uh, when you upgraded your center position, uh, Ted Karras, and you upgraded your guard position here. Um, so I think Eric Flowers is going to upgrade the guard position big time for pass yep. protection, and he's a big mauler in there. Um, and then uh, you pair him with, uh, I would like to see uh, Robert Hunt staying. I think what's going to happen is Robert Hunt is going to be the right starting guard, this new this new rookie here, because he's a big guy. So then you have those three big guys inside that can really, uh, that That'd really nice. move people in the, in the running game. Uh, and then they're going to have to hope that jesse davis can hold up uh at the tackle position because michael dieter started at right guard last year and he was really bad not good he came up like six (laughs) sacks, something ridiculous so uh that's the way i look at it so this offensive line is improved but the problem is it's almost in an all new completely new unit it's going to take them time familiar yep yeah, so, so to give, gain that chemistry and kind of move together. And the, the young guys they have are raw and need to improve their technique. So these coaches have their work cut out for them, but it would be really hard to be worse than last year. I think that they <laughs> will be improved. And I think that if they're not great at pass protection, again, this goes to the fact of what they want to do. These guys were drafted or signed to fit the the, the gap zone Uh, power running game, they're specifically signed or drafted for that scheme. So they weren't necessarily these big athletes, but they were good in that scheme again it tells me this team wants to run the ball so yeah that's where you know guys like jordan howard have more value than normal. and normally you think jordan howard like stay away you know? <laughs> <laughs> or even matt Breda. you give that guy a little bit of space man and you know you know he's not a big power back uh so that's kind of Shift, you know that's yeah. to the draft here uh okay and then in terms on um, and then they really are trying to rebuild the defense into the draft here so they took uh Noah Embagway, I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's close enough. Embagway, cornerback out of Auburn, with the I first pick. I like him. Yeah, do you like him? I hope you guys better like him because he <laughs> took him in the first round with the 30th pick. Okay, the controversy yeah. there was a lot of the Dolphins fans wanted wanted to take a running back there because you still had the top running backs like uh, DeAndre Swift that my Lions took, or, you know, I thought Jonathan Taylor would have fit nice in this power scheme, you know, and they thought they needed a running back. And uh, I think that obviously they, the problem is they needed a ton of positions, including corner. So I think Mbogwe is going to be great uh, athletic profile, really good athletic, tough type guy. And I think he's really good as a nickel corner in the slot nickel corner. Yep. Is, is, is is slot nickel corner is basically a starter in the NFL. They pretty much play almost all the snaps. So it's a really important position. So I think it is a good draft pick if he pans out and can play right away, because the fact that you have Xavier Howard on the outside and uh, Byron on the outside as well is two probably the best uh, cornerback tandem in the league. And then you need a good slot corner so they can't attack you there. So, so what, what did you like about Mbogwe here?
0: So I was kind of on the camp that I did want – I saw the Swift and, and the running backs that were available there, and they didn't take them. I was like, oh, dang, maybe we can get one in the second round, and we didn't. But when I saw that they traded for Matt Breida for a fifth a fifth rounder for Breida, I, I breathed easily because uh, I think Breida and, and Howard, as we mentioned earlier, are going to make – a. a good one-two punch um and then i i do like this kid uh noah he is he's a good playmaker he he has the uh, he has the tenacity to grab interceptions he only played cornerback for i believe one to two years uh and he was he very he adapted very well to the position and uh this dude has legit track speed he was a track athlete i think he runs uh, four three something Uh, both of his parents are track athletes professional track stars uh, yep. They were they were on Team Jamaica in the Olympics. So this dude has a family pedigree. Um, he has a pedigree of his own. And the way that he – the numbers and the way that he played last year and the ability to adapt to the cornerback position so quickly, I, I think there's only good things to come from him because his work ethic uh, seems like it, it's there. And he has the speed and quickness to play in the nickel slot where he's going to play. Uh, and he's probably going to be targeted a lot because you're seeing Howard, a healthy Howard, and Byron Jones on the outside – He's probably going to get a lot of targets, and uh, even if he loses or he gets beat on a route quickly, he has the the, the second step and the step to get back and uh, make up for it. So I, I do like this pick for him, and I do like how they did address the running back position later.
1: Yeah, Noah Mbogway, uh, you know, he played at Auburn, so good competition in the SEC there. He's got good size at he's 200 pounds, 5'11", so he's definitely very strong. And like you said, he converted. He was a converted wide receiver, so he's only going to get better at the cornerback position. And he's already really good. And he, yeah, he ran a 44, so he didn't quite get in the 43 speed, but that's not going to matter, especially in the slot. But 44 is still really good. He had a uh, at a pro day at a 40 inch vertical. And so the guys obviously has crazy explosion too, which is important I think in the slot. So he's quickness explosion and, and long speed as well. So, so yeah, I I think where you took him and being that you did, you know, pass on some of those top tier, let's say wide receivers and skill positions and running backs, especially you better hope that he's going to come in and be a, be like a franchise starting slot corner. It's a very important position and I think he will, but that's, that's something to to be determined. Yeah. Yeah. I they did he say that
0: he went early, but uh, I was fine with it. I, I do like, I do have high hopes for him.
1: Okay, and I, we've spent a lot of time in the draft here. I think we definitely need to talk about in round two with the fifty sec, fifty six pit. They took Raquan Davis out of Alabama, defensive tackle, uh, and this guy is a, also an athletic freak. He's got really good length and really long arms. Uh, six seven, you know, three three hundred twelve pounds. Uh, and he's an explosive athlete, uh, at the defensive tackle position. So, and he can really play inside, outside in this, you know, three, four scheme. He playing nose tackle or he might play end there. Uh, so I really like the scheme fit here and this guy to be able to get after, get after the pass passer, uh, for uh, a good pass rush, batting down balls with this great length and size and helping with the run. So he's a guy that should be able to contribute in a position of need right away up front for them. So I think that was a great pick. Uh, were you excited about Raquan Davis as well?
0: Yeah, I think he's going to fit in right well, and he might be in between Lawson and, and Agba right at the get-go, and uh, that's a really good th- defensive front right there with all of the, the changes they made at linebacker and, and safeties and or and defensive back as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's a big physical guy, and he's going to disrupt the the flow of other offenses, which is something we desperately needed.
1: Yeah, and then they also took a safety out of Texas, Brandon Jones, and he's a you know, he's a guy that was a little undersized, about 205, six foot. And he's pretty he plays pretty tough and physical, but he wasn't very good in coverage. So he's more of a strong safety kind of guy that gets into the box there. He might be, able, you know, but he's not very good in coverage. That's the only thing with him. So he's a developmental safety. And then I just want to mention they took Solomon Kenley, the guard, out of Georgia in the fourth round. And he's another one of those power scheme big, big guards, who's powerful, great, great run blocker. He just kind of lacks like mobility and the technique a little bit. So he's got to improve on his technique a little bit, but he's a guy that might be on the mix to play guard here. If they want, especially if they want to kick Robert hunt out to tackle there, like we talked about, Uh, because really these, these guys are, are, drafted for the scheme they're big powerful guys so once they can develop they're going to probably take over some of those other guys that used to have these roles because obviously they weren't producing um uh, so they're creating a lot of good competition and depth on the offensive line which is important um and then they took also defensive ends uh, uh jason strobridge out of north carolina and curtis weaver which is going to he should he should be more of an edge outside linebacker uh, do like curtis weaver Played at Boise State. He was the uh, Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year last year, and I uh, really like him. He's got good size outside linebacker, 6'3, 265. Great 3'4 outside linebacker here, and he's going to help with the pass rush there. Um, so that's pretty much it. Anything else uh, you want to hit on any of these other guys in the draft? And we spent quite a bit of time talking about these uh, guys.
0: No, except they did take uh, a, a long snapper who was easily the best in the league or I've in seen college that. football. So uh, hopefully that helps too, but yeah, you you hit everything on the money. I think Curtis Weaver might start uh, initially out behind Kyle Van Noy, which is uh, you're not going to overseat Van Noy, but yeah, this they do look a lot better on defense, and I I do like their their draft and all the additions that they made, and the subtractions weren't like you mentioned earlier. They weren't enough to uh, they didn't lose anybody that great that you're not going to live with.
1: Yeah, exactly. So no, I think it definitely. With this, if this is year two of three of the rebuild, with them being able to get Tua and doing all these other improvements, there's still a lot of question marks here. So this is a team you really have to follow. I'm sure you'll be following them in training camp, (laughs) and I'm gonna have to keep an eye on them too because I really don't know exactly who's starting at right tackle at this point. I know that the offensive line is gonna be better, and I and in what I feel like is more of a running team. But I think that we really hit on some good players like your Preston Williams and your Mike Gesekis, and and really Matt Breida, you know. Some people thought, you know, knew about the trade, but that trade kind of was under the radar um, And the fact that he's there and he's going to have a big role. And in, in also Jordan Howard, you know, for a touchdown dependent kind of uh, format here. Uh, those guys are, are, are fantasy players that people aren't thinking of because you definitely aren't thinking of targeting this offense after they were one of the worst offenses last year. Right. So that's good in the in the daily fantasy world, because you're talking about low ownership under the radar type guys that could pop off for a big game um and that, that have the talent there and opportunities so uh yeah so i, th- I think that we found some good things with the miami dolphins and it's i can see where it's exciting for a Dolphins fan. <laughs> things, things kind of looking up here uh any other final thoughts that you have before we kind of start wrapping things up here
0: santino um no i think we're good just know that dolphins are going to be in the super bowl in the next year uh, yeah. but, but anyway um uh, shane tell us every where everybody can find you on twitter before we wrap things up
1: yeah, so I'm at D-E-T Sports Shane, so it stands for Detroit Sports Shane, so D-E-T Sports
0: Shane. And then you can find me at at Santino Gocone, that's at S-A-N-T-I-N-O, C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Um, we're doing great things at here at Coach Talk. We're we're waiting for the NBA, MLB, and NFL to resume play so we can give you guys some lineups. Uh, right now, if you join, rem- know that your memberships are frozen till we get uh, one of those three major sports backs. Our sports back. Uh, we're doing providing free KBO lineups as, as of right now. And uh, Coach loves us to mention his favorite charity. It's Mamba on three. That's, um, And then, um, yeah, look forward to the next three teams that we have. Oh, no, we only have two teams left. We have the Bills. I believe I'm on tomorrow with Mike on the Bills. And then uh Sunday is the Patriots. Is that Mike I, and – Mike and Andrew. Andrew, I think yep, and Andrew. Yep. Andrew's okay. up in
1: that. you guys are up in that yeah. neck of the woods, right in the Northeast yeah. there. Yeah. So we'll finish up the AFC East and then on Monday we'll do a review of our NFL podcast, uh, Andrew and I and talk about what we learned and all these little hidden gems that we've been uncovering we're learning a lot because we're diving in as you can see to every single position on these teams and every single move and it's a, and we're ahead of the game here because we're, we're, we're studying this stuff and learning things uh, earlier uh, rather than waiting we're using this opportunity this kind of shutdown to get better uh, so yeah. it's really exciting so definitely check us out on uh, dfscoachtalk.com it's dfscoachtalk.com you can subscribe and become a member there uh, like you said we have KBO line lineups your membership is frozen until the major u.s sports start back up there Um, and we got a lot of good things going on right now and it's really fun also to get in the discord and kind of mix it up with all these different sports and daily fantasy fans Uh, we have a lot of cool contests going on in there as well and a lot of good sports interaction so it's definitely a great community
0: yeah and uh, on behalf of dfs coach talk he's shane caldwell i'm santino gacone thank you guys as always and we'll catch you again tomorrow